0: Welcome to the Work Matters Podcast. In each episode, talking with thought leaders and executives, Purpose Works founder Thomas Bertels explores what it takes to make work more productive, valuable, impactful, and meaningful. Let's begin the conversation. Welcome to the Work Matters Podcast. Our guest today is Eric Reisenwitz. Eric had a long career in the insurance industry. You worked for Cigna, Aetna, MetLife and Lincoln Financial in various senior leadership roles. And our topic today is the changing nature of work and specifically the needs of the millennials and, and Gen Z, what changes as they enter into the workforce. So Eric, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Thomas. Thank you very much for having me. Look forward to our conversation.
0: So over the last couple of years, we've seen like, plenty of stories about this new generation of workers. From your vantage point, what is changing? Is, is this real? Are these new generations really that different?
1: It's interesting, Thomas, when you think about it. Is it really a change? Is it real? It's Whatever is happening out there is definitely real. I, I don't think there's any issue in trying to understand that the nature of work is evolving. I think what's becoming a little bit more pronounced is people are making more active decisions to choose where they work and not the other way around. You know, in principle, we've always chosen where we want to be, but the reality is the employee is looking more and more at where they want to be first. And they're looking at the environment around them, all aspects of work between location, benefits, the nature of the work itself. And that is forcing them into making some decisions as to you know, what do they want to do? Where do they want to do it? What are they willing to forego? But what are they going to put as stakes in the ground that they need to have as they move forward? I think what's also interesting, we're going to hear, and it's going to be embedded into our thinking over the next several years, the pre-COVID and post-COVID world, a lot of the trends in terms of the way people were thinking about work, though, I think Deuce did start before the nature of work changed with COVID, particularly around working from home and people understanding more and more about what it is they wanted to do for their careers. We've long seen studies of the younger generations not staying as long with employers as the generation I grew up in. That was starting before COVID. I think you're going to see more and more of that evolve. And it may take a while, but I think you'll be able to look at this period of the last couple of years is part of a bigger period where we did see some of the overall norms of how work gets done have changed.
0: Where do you think this is headed overall? If this is like a gradual shift. What do you think it's going to look like, it's like I don't know, five, 10, 15 years from now?
1: It's hard to tell. If we could predict that, we'd probably have a lot of answers and make a lot of money telling people what we think they should do today. I think a lot of what's going to happen over the next five to 10 years is is going to be what happens over the next two to three to four. How do organizations react to the changing nature of what is happening in the workplace? One of the areas I think you'll see is the evolution of the importance of benefits in the workplace. And I'm not just talking about traditional insurance benefits such as healthcare and Life insurance, disability insurance, those are still out there. But even those, if you look, have evolved tremendously. And I think when you look at the millennial and Gen Z as generations, they're going to be looking for more specifics. Healthcare is just not about getting doctor's coverage and and hospital uh, visits taken care of. They're looking for extensive and expanded healthcare coverages, whether it's transgender, other types of coverages that were not traditional before are now becoming stakes in the ground again for healthcare plans. Time off, paternity maternity leave, paid time off, huge, as we see both in what employers are looking at today, what we're seeing in the government dialogue around what we need to cover or should be covering. That's very different than the traditional short-term, long-term disability and how many sick days do I get. Beyond that, you're seeing lots of interest in mental health and wellness, how people are going to be looking at that as part of their day-to-day it's not simply how many days off do I get, how many times can I file different claims for different things that are happening. Choice is still going to be big, but there's other benefits that I'm not so sure have been prominent in the past, or benefit may not be the right word, it just may be experiences. Social responsibility and corporate accountability is a big deal. It's always been a big deal, but it's a big deal in an employer selection amongst millennials and Gen Z. Who they're working for and what they're doing as an organization is very, very important to them. And I think that's something you're going to see over the next several years be a true indicator of which employers are succeeding and which employers are struggling to get the talent they want to acquire and keep.
0: Yeah, I think it's really interesting that you mentioned the benefits side of things because it ties a little bit into like, what's the organization providing to the employee? What's the overall package? One thing I'm curious about because it's, it's like missing from the list is actually the ability to do more meaningful work. What's your take on that? Do you think that's a factor? where organizations could really differentiate themselves.
1: I'm glad you brought that up because I do think there is a new way of of looking at how you acquire and keep your employees. And again, in theory, something that always should have been there. And I'm so excited that you've called your organization purpose works because I do think that one of the main things that is resonating with employees, and I think this is crossing all generations now, it's probably preeminent simply because millennials are becoming the largest population in the workforce today, Gen Z right behind them, but people want to have a reason to come to work. They, they want the work to be meaningful, and I do think that is one thing that employers have always thought their companies were meaningful and were worthwhile, but again... It's shifting the dialogue around an employee wants to know what you're doing to make my life better in terms of work and how I get the work done, how people experience work. Again, my history and a lot of history of folks in my generation experience work started with the alarm clock, the train or the commute, getting in and you're in an office five days a week, you're doing meetings a lot during the day, maybe you're doing a lot of business travel. Just to go to meetings. And if you broke out your day of how much time was actually doing meaningful work, you'd probably make yourself sick thinking about it, but it really wasn't all that much. Now people have had more time to say, wherever I'm doing my work, I am spending meaningful time. And here's the benefit that that time is giving me to accomplish what my employer is asking me to do. And at the end of the day, I feel like I've done something. And that I think is something that's going to be important. Employers are going to have to learn how to answer that question. What does this work mean to me? What do I get out of doing this work? And employers are going to have to learn to say something more than just a salary, a benefit, and uh, things that were traditionally taught are what people react to in the workplace. Those things are still important, but they're not going to be the sole determinants as to where people work.
0: I feel like it's going to be very interesting to see how companies actually tackle that, right? Because I, I feel like oftentimes we apply it like a copy-paste model when it comes to how we design work. You go from one insurance company to the other, there are more similarities than differences in terms of what specific jobs entail and, and, and how, how steep the hierarchy is.
1: Yeah. And people focus on job descriptions a lot. And again, you're thinking in the corporate world, writing a job description is not something a manager typically sits down and says, oh boy, I got to write a job description and I'm excited about it. They're usually looking for the last template of the last template of somebody else, you know, and they're focusing on, I got to get this done in the system so I can post for the job are they really thinking about the nature of the work they're asking people to do as they work through this you know you could probably shorten job descriptions enormously by forgetting the template and just saying what is the meaning of the work that i'm asking somebody
0: to do you know, what is the skill set that best matches that in my experience like 90 percent of the jobs in the organization fail to really meet that threshold the other trend that i'm seeing is that we're moving more and more into really like a knowledge-based economy peter drucker famously said the nature of knowledge work is that actually The manager or the leader doesn't know the work and what needs to get done better than the person doing it. So in my view, that kind of like flips it upside down. So you really now need the people doing the work to actually design and redesign the work rather than the manager determining what what gets done when and, and how. Do you feel like managers in general are even prepared to shift their role to enable employees to redesign work rather than making those decisions themselves?
1: It's an interesting question. I I think it may vary industry by industry. I think the first place to start is what is it that we're looking for the managers to do? It gets back to the purpose of work. If we don't redefine how leaders should be leading in an environment where employees do take this autonomy that they're given and the knowledge base that they're bringing to the table, you're probably not going to be able to answer the question as to how they need to manage. I think the expectation that employees come to the table with today is autonomy. You know, it, it's not—it's not a nice to have, and I think that applies in all types of work. And the degree to which a manager becomes a leader, the leader allowing the, the employee to use the best of their skill set to accomplish what's needed, and provide that guidance and direction, and recognize that it's something that is going to make that employee more productive. Now, you're still going to have environments where you need supervision and management of the process as you move forward. There still is an awful lot of work that needs to get done to support that knowledge-based workforce, you know, whether it's from an infrastructure perspective, et cetera. I think that work's changing, too. What's going to make people want to do those jobs in an environment that it is also changing? I still think the same things are going to be important. People are going to want to see the outcomes of their effort. They're going to want to feel like they're rewarded. They're going to feel like they've worked for an organization that has a purpose, regardless
0: of the type of work it is at the end of the day. So, how do you see the role of technology in all of this? What's working? What's not working? How is it shaping work? Technology is
1: definitely a key determinant in how work gets done in many different environments, the insurance industry in particular. The need to have most current and most effective use of technology is becoming a given. We talk about generations being hired into the workplace, whether it's a financial services or any other type of organization, people are going to expect to have access to the same types of things when they get to work that they had when they went to school, that they have when they are at home in front of their computers. And again, it's going to be the means to get that work done in the insurance industry having the data. The data was the first thing that came. We always had data. Technology enabled the data to be placed in some type of a sequence that would allow us to evaluate it, that would then allow us to make further determinations as to what could happen in the benefits program or any other type of insurance you're looking at here. Technology, everybody uses it. It's the enabler. You still need the knowledge-based workforce. You still need the people to decide how to use it. It's becoming part of the knowledge base. The ability to have that technology is something I think is going to be innate. People are not going to just need to know what they need from a data perspective. People are going to have to understand, you know, how do we best utilize the technology to facilitate us getting that data? It is becoming routine. used to be you got a job and you got to a desk and you had a phone and the stapler like you have behind you on the wall. Now it's working technology that is going to help people from the day they start. It's going to help train them on their job all the way through delivering that end result of the work that they're producing.
0: What amazes me oftentimes is how ineffective the technology in most organizations is. So if you kind of look at your consumer experience and it's all integrated, I work on Apple and everything synchronizes nicely, right? The same is not true in the work environment. We have this hodgepodge of systems and and oftentimes it's like the humans that becomes like the middleware between two programs and having to copy paste the data. So oftentimes I feel like technology actually made, made the job worse than it was before.
1: In a way, I think you're right. I think part of it is, I hate to use the old chicken and egg analogy, but as the technology is designed and developed, there is a rush to use it. In parallel to that, somebody's figuring out what we're going to do with the information that comes out of it. When you have structures in place, and I think you've seen a lot of this with the advent of AI, where you're really starting with, what are the processes that I am trying to redesign? What is the outcome I'm trying to drive? What processes are no longer needed? And you do all of that up front, and then you say, what technology is out there that can help me now get this done in a more efficient way? I think human nature drives people, I've, I've got the computer, let me use it. I don't know what I want to use it for, but I'm going to use it. I do think that's shifting. At the end of the day, if people and organizations have access to technology but are not quite sure how they can maximize it, they're probably going to fall behind. The companies that may be slower to start using it because they're doing all of the backend, how do I want to get my work done first? they may leapfrog once they do figure out the best connection between the work that needs to get done and the access technology can bring to them.
0: Yeah, no, I fully agree. I think oftentimes it's like the cart before the horse scenario, right? And people fall in love with all the things the technology could do and then end up buying something that's like a kid putting on that suit, right? It's like five sizes too big. But how do you think it's changing the nature of managers and the role that they play in organizations?
1: I think managers are no different than any other employee in the organization in terms of the changes that they're going through. And in fact, from a leadership perspective, sometimes we're asking more of managers in terms of not only do we ask them to do the job and whatever that is to execute and produce, but it's also to make sure that they're getting the right messaging and providing the right degree of leadership to the employees that are reporting into them and funneling the message from senior leadership in the right direction. I don't want to oversimplify, but one of the things that, in addition to all my time in insurance, I've always followed government and history. And one of Thomas Jefferson's favorite lines, one of my favorite lines of Jefferson was, with the change of circumstance, institutions have to advance just to keep pace. And I think that's really where we are in the workplace right now. There's been a change of circumstance. And it's not simply people work from home more than they did before. Again, the expectations of the worker have changed. So, what is it that a leader needs to keep pace? I think from a manager perspective, truly understanding the output that they're expected to get from their employees, but also putting themselves in the mindset of the employee. You know, I'm dealing with an employee today. I've got how I don't know however many I'm, that are reporting to me, but you know, some of them may be coming to the office, some of them may be working from home. They may have a flexible schedule. People have adapted their schedules their life to the last two years of this, alternative environment for work, some of them kind of like it. So a manager's got to sit back and say, what's going on with Thomas today? You know, I need Thomas and I need Eric to get the same thing done today, but Thomas is working from home because it's the day that his spouse or partner's going into the office and his his child's at home, whereas Eric's sitting at the office, but they both have the same thing done. Do I look differently upon both people because of where they're doing, what they're doing, or they're both getting the job done? That's the flexibility and the pivoting. Managing is all going to be about pivoting, I think. You know, it's pivoting to the circumstance, the day of the week, the time of the year. Hopefully, we don't have to go through another pandemic-like situation to alter work. But again, I think what's, again, I go back to the quote of Jefferson, what's the circumstance today? How did it change? Okay, And, and how do we advance? It doesn't change what we have to get done, but it does change how we may have to do it. I'm convinced, even this may be more naive in today's environment where we know a lot of people are exiting in the great resignation wave. I'm convinced most people do want to do something meaningful in their lives. Most people enjoy getting compensated for it, and they want to feel good about executing on it. If we can focus our attention on those things that they want to do, I think the rest of it gets easier. If you know somebody can do something and the work is meaningful to them, it's going to work out. But if you have to find yourself you're overpaying to get just a job that somebody doesn't even see meaning and done, it's probably not going to provide success for your organization.
0: No, I, I 100% agree because managers, as you say, right, they're also employers, but they're also constrained by the same forces in a way that got us into this mess. So if you are a director or a VP, what degrees of freedom do you really have to reshape and redesign work? And even if I look at the work that managers do, they also face the same problem you kind of look at the number of times that the effort that goes into preparing the annual budget and then on January 3rd, things have changed and somebody yanks that budget away or the 35 performance reviews that you got to complete in January that nobody ever looks at. So I feel like maybe one of the targets for work redesign is also like the work that we ask the managers to do. Any thoughts on that? It may get back to the
1: mission of the organization. I always say I was blessed and very fortunate in my career to work in an industry where I can say over the again, 40 years I worked in it, the mission of what I was doing day to day in the companies I worked for really didn't change. In the insurance and employee benefits industry, I always used to summarize it very simply to say, you know, we're in business to be there when bad things happen to good people. When they lose a loved one, when something happens that they can't work, that's what the insurance company is there for. That's what benefits provide. And I was fortunate enough, again, to do that for most of my career. When you think about it in terms of the purpose of work, That purpose is still the same today, despite the fact that we've evolved with technology and where we do work. But you mentioned a very interesting point that I think a lot of large organizations in particular struggle with around process, procedure, and history. There is the annual budget setting process, the quarterly review process. Just when you're finished one quarter of review, you're already starting all the documentation and there are people whose jobs are just nothing but getting ready for quarterly reporting. Important to have that done. But parallel to that, do organizations put as much emphasis on the future mission of the organization? You could argue that there is a budget playbook each year. There's an annual planning playbook each year. Everybody goes through the routine. But is there a growth playbook that you put equal attention on, that you're thinking in the same vein? You have people constantly looking. where we're going to take things in the same way you have people constantly looking at how the budget's going to be managed, how the process is going to be done, pulled together, your plan each year, your quarterly reporting. Again, I'm not so sure that's as prevalent, but I do think as we think moving forward and what's going to need to change, again, purpose. If I know where the organization is going, not for the next quarter, not for the foreseeable six to 12 months, but where the work we're doing today is going to take us in terms of the, where the company is growing. Growing means a lot of different things to a, a lot of different organizations too. Again, it depends upon what the purpose of their work is. But if you don't define that for the employee, you're going to get a lot of frustrated employees. Is it loyalty to the company or is it loyalty to the mission? I think it's shifting very intricately. Employees are looking at the mission. Yeah. And The mission is becoming a personal mission that they're aligning with their company and their employment issues and interests. You know, a lot of companies may say they have the same mission, but where is the plan that they're executing taking
0: them along the lines of that mission? I think that's very interesting. I've been doing a lot of work in the pharmaceutical industry. If you look at it, they're all fundamentally the same mission, right? To provide people with a better quality of life. But if you can compare, right? So all the big companies, they're kind of by and large working in very similar ways. What I find very interesting is that People still stay in that space, but I think you see like an exodus from these very large companies to smaller startups, where somebody was like a VP buried in a hundred thousand people organization, all of a sudden now really can shape and influence a business in, in a much more fundamental way. Maybe it's just a function that now startups are much better funded than they used to be 20 years ago. But I feel like there's a shift, right? That people say I'm okay with giving up the brand name of a big company both for the rewards that maybe a startup or a smaller business has to offer, but also for the meaningfulness of the work and the impact that they can have. Do you see something similar? I mean, you worked in the insurance industry. Do you think something similar is at work there?
1: I definitely say yes. People are looking to see where they can have a bigger impact And I think logic tells you, you know, if you're a small fish in a big sea of a big company, you can't have as much impact as if you go to a smaller organization. So I think people are more attracted to those opportunities. I do think there is more investment in those types of firms right now. Technology is assisted that usually technology is the core of what the startup is trying to either organize, sell, utilize, to manage. That becomes attractive to somebody who feels like The infrastructure of the large organization is slowing them down a little bit. So I think you see all of those moving in that type of direction. I think the other thing I would say with respect to people moving on, switching costs for employees are low today. It used to be in an environment where you had years invested in an organization, you gave up a lot when you left. Sometimes it was monetary. Sometimes it was related to retirement benefits or other types of compensation. Sometimes it was seniority. Again, it depends upon the type of role. But moving on to a new organization right now, you can either be bought or enticed by the opportunity out of that. A lot of the same things that kept you know, my parents' generation and, you know, at the same employer for, for 50, 60 years or more if they, if they could, and there were some. There's nothing there keeping people now. There's also not the stigma of having five employers on your resume by the time you're 35. That used to be the red flag for me growing up and hiring people. Now it's, I want to know more about what moved you to the next opportunity. What's going to excite you? If I can figure out how you moved to the fifth employer, I might be able to keep you longer as your sixth employer. And so I don't think employees have that fear of leaving anymore. Now, that makes it sound like large companies may be doomed because they've got all these other things that they're fighting against there's mindsets in some large companies that are going right down the path of some of the startups you know they are trying to do what they can from an innovation perspective from an automation perspective from adding the types of leadership that is driving growth thinking and you need more of that you need more of that you need that to compete similarly some of the large companies are learning that some of these startups can actually help them so the combination of investing in them potentially buying them but at minimum partnering with them. I may not be the expert in what they're doing. I'm going to start using them, you know. And maybe they have one or two of my ex employees. That's not a bad thing anymore. Actually, maybe a good thing if somebody knows my business is now working over there and they're going to help because they've got the funding and the investment. Again, it's changing the dialogue of how people have to put their plans together in terms of how they want to grow and sustain their businesses.
0: Yeah, I think I think you I think you made I think two excellent points, I think. One really is so one thing I find interesting is people try to acquire talent, right? That goes a lot into making the employer value proposition, what a great place to work it is. And then oftentimes when people go into the organization, the job that they thought they would sign up for is not quite the job that they're being asked to do. And I feel like there's this cognitive dissonance, right? And maybe tying to our earlier point, maybe like 10 years ago, people said, oh, you fooled me, right, but I have to sit here at least for a year or two years, I can't quit and turn around. And I feel like that also has changed.
1: Absolutely. And I think, again, that's just another outcome of people feeling they are more in control of their own work history versus leaving it to their employers. I think I said earlier, you know, people choose where they want to work more aggressively today. Individuals need to really think before they take that leap to the new job, do they really know enough about what they're expecting? It's just not on the employer to... Here's what I'm promising you. You need to do your homework along those lines. Do you really know what you're looking to get in this job? And you still have people who are leaving current employers because they just don't like the current situation. So they're running towards a new job. And when they get there, they realize this isn't the job they want. Is that the employer's fault? Probably not. You know, career development is a 50-50. I've got to do my own job as well as my employer's got to work with me. I think the same thing applies. Employees maybe feel a little bit more bold today because of what's happening just in the environment to, again, jump into some choices. Employers can help manage that process by trying to understand from the new employee, maybe it's just an affirmation. What do you think the job's going to be? And it may be difficult in the current environment. People are struggling to get help in certain environments, so they're desperate to get the workers in. But at the same time, if I'm looking to work for you and I think I like everything I'm hearing about your company and your job, I should ask you, are you sure you know what you're getting into? You know what the job is and, uh, and maybe employers need to share a little bit of the warts a little bit more too. Here are the great things about the job I'm offering you, but there are a couple of things that you're probably going to experience that I just want to give you a heads up on. Information is knowledge when it comes to how you're going to experience a situation. I think employers and employees both have to be realistic. I love idealism when it's about what you're trying to accomplish But if we operate in an idealistic world, we'll never live in the current reality. You only get to ideal if you work through current reality. And I think both employers and employees have to be a little bit more realistic that way. But recognize, again, it's all changing. Anybody who starts a conversation with, you know, well, here's how we did things around here, should be a red flag to people who are looking to leave an organization because they're not happy with the way people do things today.
0: Excellent. Eric? Always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I enjoyed it as much, Thomas. Thank you so much for being on the show and uh, have a great rest of your day. Was, uh, thank
1: you very much. You, you as well. Take care.
0: So here are my takeaways from the conversation with Eric Reisenwitz. One, people want to have a reason to come to work. They want meaningful work. Secondly, autonomy is not a nice to have. If we can focus on what people want to do, the rest gets a lot easier. Third, we're going to see changes in the role of leaders, but that doesn't mean leaders go away. We still need to manage the process, support the workforce, provide an infrastructure for teams to be effective. And lastly, do we really put enough emphasis on the future mission? And shouldn't we have a gross playbook as leaders in addition to all the efficiency and cost control playbooks? I tremendously enjoyed talking to Eric. I hope you found the conversation helpful, and I look forward to seeing you on one of the next podcasts. We hope you enjoyed this discussion. If you did, please subscribe, like, share, or comment. Until next time, let's make work matter.